0: Well, welcome everyone to this session of SACPA, the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Um, Thank you. Just a few quick announcements before we jump right into today's topic. Um, I'd like to remind everyone quickly to turn off your cell phones and also that today's session is being recorded. Um, I am Christina Cuthbertson. I'm the public relations manager at the Southern Alberta Art Gallery, Um, but while I was in university, I was a rugby player, and that's how I was invited to um, moderate today's session with Dana Daniels. Um SACPAW is a nonprofit organization and relies on the support of um event attendees such as yourselves and to that end there is a basket at the center of each table um, and we ask that ten dollars be placed by each um um visitor and um just nominate someone from your table to count the money before SACPAW comes around to collect it. Um, I'd like to acknowledge the partners of SACPA, the University of Lethbridge, for sending out the notices to these events and uh, Country Kitchen Catering, who will be providing our meal for today. So a big thank you to them. Um, Today's format will follow the regular SACPA format where we will do 25 to 30 minutes for uh, the speaker, another 25 to 30 minutes for lunch, and another 25 to 30 minutes for a question period after that. So um, today we are going to hear from Dana Daniels on the subject of sexualization of female athletes. Um, Dana is a professor at the University of Lethbridge in the women's women's studies and uh, um, kinesiology and physical education departments. Um, As a lifelong participant in sport, she has lived and studied the differences that exist between um, males and females uh, in accessing and participating in sport and physical activities. Her recent book, Um, Polygendered and Ponytailed, the Dilemma of Femininity and the Female Athlete investigates the historical and contemporary barriers that keep women and girls from achieving excellence in areas of, um, of the sporting world, most particularly the focus on their requisite presentation of femininity and heterosexuality. Dr. Daniels is an advocate for girls and women in sport and physical activity and has served on the board of the Canadian Association um, for Advancement of Women in Sport and Physical Activity. So please join me in welcoming uh, Dr. Dana Daniels.
1: Thank you, Christina. Uh, and to the SACPA board for the invitation to present and discuss the issue of sexualization of women athletes with you today. Now, um, I'm going to be running uh, a PowerPoint presentation, and it's going to loop, so if you miss something the first time around, hopefully you'll pick it up. I've tried to put a long enough delay between the change in slides that people will be able to uh, read it, but if we've done it correctly, it will come around again if I can figure out how to work this. All right, I'll just sort of let you uh, follow along. Uh, My talk doesn't necessarily parallel the PowerPoint presentation, but it's setting up some issues of um, uh, differences between girls and boys and some of the myths about women in sport particularly this one, that sport masculinizes women, which leads to uh, our topic today, the sexualization of women athletes. The sexualization of women athletes is not a new topic. It has been a reality for over a century. What makes it a most pressing issue today is the extreme nature of the feminization and heterosexualization of the overwhelming majority of media images used to showcase women athletes. Why is this happening? Where did the, de- the requirement of displaying women as highly sexualized and as representing a singular and highly attainable fantasy ideal of a female body, rather than as skilled and accomplished athletes, uh, that they are come from? The answer to this question is a simple one gender. But the explanation of the impact of gender on this aspect of our lives and our culture is actually quite complex. When I use the term gender, I'm referring to what we know as femininity and masculinity. There are a lot of incorrect notions about femininity and masculinity. One of these uh, is that these are natural and fixed conditions. And two, that gen- gender indicators are essential properties of female, therefore feminine, and male, therefore masculine, bodies exclusively. Gender is a socially constructed set of conditions that are a reflection of the times and places of the dominant individuals in a culture. For example, pink used to be the color in which young aristocratic boys were dressed and portraitured to indicate their gender and social status. This has changed on both accounts today. What remains constant about gender is that most people believe that to some extent there are differences uh, beyond those of reproduction that separate females and males into a binary divide, which if crossed, threatens a natural power relationship between the sexes. If female athletes or females can do masculine things, then males can do feminine things. Well, I should hope so. The quality of our lives is enhanced by a broad range of experiences, expressions, and opportunities, which ought to be based on our interests and abilities rather than an arbitrary designation. As very young children, we take our bodies and our identities pretty much for granted, but still quite seriously. We are not yet encumbered by the socially constructed conception of girls and boys that will mold and shape us into the contemporary designs required of feminine women and masculine men, although it will happen very soon. These constructions serve not only to remind us uh, how most of us become alienated from our bodies in adult life, but they also point out how differently the childhoods of girls and boys come to be constructed by discourses of masculinity and femininity. The social designation of feminine and masculine and their seemingly natural attachment to female and male bodies causes girls and boys to inhabit their bodies differently, even when engaged in the same activities. Thus, the activity of play and sport becomes as gendered as the bodies participating in the games. How people learn, display, negotiate, perform, change, and resist gender play out differently in the lives of different people and different groups of people. I am particularly interested in how contemporary notions of gender impact girls and women who are athletes, who aspire to be athletes, or simply want to engage in physical activities for enjoyment and lifelong health. As we learned in the news just last week, less than 15% of Canadians are physically active enough to gain health benefits from their activities. Girls and women are on the lower end of this participation scale. Could this be because sport has traditionally been deemed as male or masculine? Is this partly because women know that no matter how much they work out or exercise their bodies, they will never look like the bodies that are portrayed as normal athletic bodies, which you see flashing before your eyes. Um, The sexualization of women athletes has far-reaching consequences. The complexities of the intersections of gender performance, femininity, and sexuality are in many ways unique to female athletes. Western culture emphasizes a feminine ideal body and demeanor that contrasts with an athletic body and demeanor. To understand how the social constructs of gender and sexuality interact, are interpreted, and are applied to the female athlete is complex. I also feel that it is very important to unravel these complexities in the hope of providing girls and women all the opportunities they want and need to participate in sports and physical activities and that they deserve for a healthy and active life. My primary interest in looking at the representation of female athletes through the lenses of femininity and sexuality, uh, which are the direct applications of our knowledge and understanding of gender, if sport is considered masculine, how does the impact girls and women, how does this impact girls and women who want to be involved in sport? Strength, power, speed, aggression and stamina are all terms that might be recognizable as necessary attributes to a successful athlete. But they are also understood as masculine. Now, if an athlete does not have flexibility, balance, rhythm, and agility, it is likely that this athlete will not be one for long, for his lack of skill development and a propensity to injury will be very likely without these characteristics. But these attributes, which are essential to athletic performance at all levels, are also deemed to be feminine qualities. So if sport requires both masculine and feminine characteristics— why are women athletes so often seen as trespassers into a male domain? Because it is traditional in Western culture to maintain a divide between men and women. As women have achieved greater levels of equity in our culture, the primary areas of masculinity, which remained exclusively uh, for males for a long time, uh, were the military and sports. But now women have successfully entered both of these fields in growing numbers. To maintain a masculine feminine divide in sport, the way athletes look must be significantly different from the way female athletes look, must be significantly different from the way male athletes look, even when they have the same physical training and skill acquisition. The media uses the time honored tradition of only showcasing a very narrow representation of feminine and heterosexually attractive women athletes. There are myriad femininities which are displayed by women worldwide. In North American culture, there is a more dominant form of femininity, which is, which is seen throughout the media, producing limited fashion choices and other consumer-targeted campaigns directed toward girls and women. This pervasive and exclusive display is presented as the only acceptable or desirable feminine presentation. This popular culture femininity becomes hegemonic, which means it is the only acceptable way for women to present themselves. It privileges the women who are able to conform to it. But one outcome of this designation of sport as masculine is the impact on the female individual who has learned the social importance of accepting and demonstrating herself as a feminine person. You wouldn't know that from that picture, maybe. It is often a negative impact on her understanding of herself as a gendered individual, but one who wants to engage in activities that she believes she will enjoy, even if they are understood to be identified as masculine. This has an enduring impact on the choices of girls and women relative to choosing to rebel against traditional femininity by engaging in sports. For most individuals, especially young girls, there will not be a conscious analysis of who they are as females or their femininity compliance. But the outcome of their choice to be athletes is likely to become obvious to them the longer they remain in the realm of sport. Researchers have written that the imbi- about embodied experiences and how our sense of self is intric- intricately tied to our mastery of physical movements. Irish Young uses perceptions of embodiment to analyze sport and sport involvement, or lack thereof, of girls and women. She supports that feminine embodiment requires a limited use of space and effort in the execution of movements, which would make the successful participation in sporting activities nearly impossible for girls, even though they're entering sport in as numbers as great as boys are. Girls learn to consciously restrict the motion of their bodies and the space they take up in movement. It involves a considerable thought process which limits anatomical movement and subsequently causes uncoordinated actions. The expression, throwing like a girl, arises from such commonality and discontinuous unity of bodily movements and the restricted spatial action of overhand throwing by girls as to appear to be a natural condition of female bodies, even though we know that it is not. Even when girls are encouraged to become successful in sporting activity, they continue to receive mixed messages regarding how they need to look and what movements are appropriate for them. When girls are appropriately skilled in sporting movements, the feedback to their action often takes the form of, quote, you throw, run, play like a boy. This backhanded compliment functions to keep the intentionality and success of sporting movements out of the realm of the feminine even when performed by females. The situation in which women athletes find themselves is one which muddies the gender pool because females are supposed to be feminine, uh, but are displaying masculine movements and behaviors, but often without masculine endeavors. Because of this, women athletes can be at the same time both celebrated for their accomplishments and vilified for achieving masculine success thus the importance of their being portrayed as highly feminine in the media. Women athletes provide us with an everyday challenge to traditional beliefs about sex roles and the binary construction of gender. Their lives are often lived in public arenas in ways that most other women's lives are not. They can be media stars, but in different ways from rock stars and movie celebrities. They can be role models, but again differently from politicians or other newsmakers. Women athletes force us to see gendered lives in ways that challenge those that are traditionally accepted as natural or inviolate. In reality, women present themselves in almost as many ways as there are women. Just look around. Their interests, abilities, dreams, aspirations are varied and cannot be contained within fashionable notions of a range of characteristics defined as feminine. Yet most people can readily identify what is acceptable or at the very least accepted as femininity according to common sense North American standards. Many women aspire to present themselves according to these beliefs. Most men expect women to do exactly that, and most women expect this as well, regardless of whatever characteristics that are defined as masculine, that they also present but disregard as masculine in themselves. Through constructs of femininity and masculinity, social convention and expectation constrains and dictates dictates how the body is seen and valued. Cultural acts to construct the looks and uses of the body, regardless of genetics and physiology. One outcome of the restrictions of these restrictions is that although women are are as biologically capable of sport participation as males the cultural meaning of woman removes athletic competence from the narrow range of characteristics that are approved as feminine This lays a foundation for a struggle between physical appearance and behavior requirements for the feminine woman and the appearance performance nature of those physical activities and sports for women uh, which are traditionally defined as masculine. The greater acceptance of sport participation by girls and women in the 21st century challenges this basic designation. But there is a narrow limit to the extent that athletic competence and physical appearance of an athletic body fits into the constraints of contemporary femininity. The expression of physical competence in most sports remains a quick indicator of noncompliance with the rules of femininity. Thus, positive readings of women's bodies, therefore women, are not likely to be found within the contextual medium of sport." Through the construction of femininity and adherence to its changes over time, women are directed and compelled to display themselves and to behave in in ways that become a compulsory foundation for its acceptance within a culture. An additional burden for the female athlete within this negotiating process is the fact that she may be engaged in activities They have a traditional designation as masculine, even though women have been participants throughout history of many of these activities, such as basketball, baseball, and ice hockey. One factor for any level of successful execution of the required motor skills and performance objectives of her sport is that she will most likely have to display physical attributes that are traditionally designated as masculine. Although contemporary Western definitions of femininity include a body that has good muscle tone and general fitness, the female athlete often develops a body that crosses an invisible line that separates the feminine and desirable body from the masculine one. There are tensions between the sporting body and the social body. The sexualization of women athletes tells us that the most important thing about a female body is not what it does, but how it looks. The power lies not within us, but in the gaze of the observer. Viewers base their critique of what they see on a singular ideal of femininity that, although it is constructed and changing, is understood to be a complete picture. And as the next group of pictures come around, where I'm asking, are these athletes or not?, you'll see that there's almost only one body type again and again and again that is seen in the media. Although women are aware that there are numerous gaps in the visual representations of women in the media and that casual analysis of any group of women will reveal multiple femininities, the self-surveillance and critique that women apply to their own bodies seems to take precedence over their attention to this breadth in female bodies and presentations. Every athlete is required to pay extensive attention to the training of her body. This fits in the feminine uh, requirement of body work. We have to pay attention to our bodies. But it's also a very specific and possibly feminine contrary type of body work. Carefully thought out and carried out training regimes must be attended to in order to attain, maintain, or improve the physical components needed to engage in her sport. Many of these factors, such as flexibility and agility, might be seen to improve her feminine appearance and performativity. But many of these factors, such as strength and power, especially as obviously demonstrated by large or well-defined muscles, are deemed masculine and may be seen as a detractor to her gender adherence. Women athletes walk an invisible, undefined, yet undeniable line that separates a feminine athletic body from a masculine athletic body. All one needs to do to educate oneself on the contemporary requirements for the size and shape of the prototypical feminine woman is to walk by any newsstand and look at the covers of magazines targeting the female buyer, watch television for an evening, or go to almost any North American made movie with at least one token female character. There is an eerie similarity among all of the women seen in these locales that is non existent in the actual population, uh, the actual diverse population of women. Women come in all shapes, sizes, skin colors, ages, levels of disability and ability, hairdos, styles of dress and occupations. This reality is rarely rarely reflected in today's mediated forms and presentation of females, whether their intended consumption is for females or males, and this is most particularly true for female athletes. That many girls and women strive to emulate the fantasy of the mediogenic glamazon, um, hope you can all understand that term. Staring out at them from the glossy pages of magazines is not surprising. There are no other models to emulate that promise the fulfillment that will only be found through this singular presentation of self. The women athletes that do receive media attention and endorsements that put their images into the public realm outside of the athletic arena are an exceptionally good fit with the ideal contemporary representation of the feminine. These athletes are privileged over other female athletes based on a hetero desirability in their looks and not necessarily their athletic ability, which is invisible uh, in a lot of these pictures. Some of the most recognized female athletes are not the best or most successful representatives of their sports, but they are the most beautiful or heterosexually alluring Images of the tennis player Anna Kornikova, boy, is this perfect timing or what, are among the most searched for on the internet. Very few of these images actually show her playing tennis or even dressed for the game. It actually took me longer to find a photo of Anna Kornikova playing tennis than any of the other action shots that I was able to find of these athletes. Um, it's, it's a very different picture. One of the interesting things about the bodies of athletes, especially women athletes, is that they are representative of much of the range of sizes and shapes of women in any population. If we were to ask ourselves, what does a woman athlete look like outside of the media, we would undoubtedly get a vast range of answers depending on the sport or the event that was envisioned. Out of uniform and out of her athletic venue, it would be impossible to look at a group of women and determine which were athletes based only on their size, looks, or demeanor. Women athletes come in myriad shapes and sizes due to the needs of their sports and their own interests as physically active individuals. Yet what a woman athlete looks like has been and continues to be a very important aspect of the social construction of not only women athletes but women in general. Women athletes' bodies range in size and shape from tiny gymnasts to very tall basketball and volleyball players to powerfully built shot putters and rugby players uh, to women who uh, follow a range of heights and weights who play golf and field hockey, who run track and cross-country ski, who ride horses and mountain bikes, who sail and row, who dive and engage in swimming events, including synchronized swimming and deep water diving. Whereas choosing a sport or physical activity to learn and participate in ought to have only to do with the interests of the girl or women, success in sport to a high performance level requires a good body fit to sport of the athlete and the fitness components needed to acquire and execute the motor skills of their sport. Fortunately, there are enough sports with numerous positions and events to fit the physical constructions of all girls and women. Many of the shapes and sizes are successfully participating. Many women are participating in all of these sports. They are also engaged in numerous physical activities that are yet not defined as sports or which have yet not caught the attention of the profit-driven media. But one of the things that we can see, and this group of pictures, I believe this is the group of pictures that's coming up right now, are very difficult images to find, If you type in images, women's sport, on the internet, the first page will come up, and there's always 10 things on a page. Seven of them are the hottest women athletes, the sexiest women athletes. And the images are all the images that you saw originally of the athletes. Shows them in bathing suits, shows them in sexual poses, whatever. But trying to find images of these same women, and some of them are still competing, top performance uh, athletes, uh, Olympic athletes, cannot be found unless you know very specifically where to look. And it took me, in some cases, more than an hour to find an image of someone who was just in the Vancouver Olympics a year ago. Find a picture of her actually doing her doing her sport. These are the images that we want young girls and young boys to see, not necessarily of only high-performance athletes. We want to see more pictures of girl athletes at the junior high level and the college level and doing recreational activities because we need for girls to understand that their performance in sport and physical activity is more important than ultimately what their bodies look like because for their bodies to be healthy, for them to be comfortable in their bodies, being participants in sport is going to be very important. Unfortunately, the images that they see, for the most part, are not these images. We don't see them in newspapers, on TV, on billboards, in magazines, on the Internet. The images that we see are the sexualized, single-dimension image of women athletes who, when you see them in their bathing suits, you can't even tell they're athletes. If we want to encourage girls to be athletes... Um, when I was at, why is it so difficult to find exciting action shots of women athletes? As I said earlier, part of it is the challenge that if women can be as good and successful athletes as males can, then another difference between men and women is disappearing. I, for one, don't think that's such a bad thing because I think our sense of self, the balance that we have in our lives is important that we be able to expand the qualities that we have as human beings rather than narrow them down into something artificial. We see lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of girls and women participating in physical activity these days. So why don't we see the images of them engaged in their sports as opposed to displaying a body? Thank you very much.